0: So you at home, open your Bibles to Acts chapter 26, and we'll look at verses 24 to 32 in our time together. Now, I'll remind those of you who may not have been with us what we studied last week. And Paul had had the opportunity finally to speak to King Agrippa after Festus had offered King Agrippa a summary of what led to Paul standing before him. And we titled our time based on what Paul shared, and that was nothing but the truth. Now, we noted that he had kind of a structure to his testimony, often like, uh, or much like when the disciples came to Jesus. And I think they recognized Jesus' prayer life was a little bit different than theirs. So they said, hey, teach us how to pray. And Jesus didn't give them something to recite, in the model prayer, or often referred to as the Lord's Prayer, but he gave them a format. And Paul simply does the same thing. And we found that there were things that we should also look to and practice as we tell other people about the one message that can save. And that is through the cross of Christ and him crucified. And you at home can say, amen. I won't hear you, but I will still encourage you to stay tuned in. Now, the things we learned last week were these. Our objective is to tell people they need Jesus, not just make them want them. We also made the point that the true gospel is always going to call people to repentance. Repentance meaning a change of mind, specifically about the message of the Bible. But with a change of mind comes a change of ways. And we also noted that nothing validates the claims of the Christian faith more than transformed lives. And that's still true this morning. Now, I'll remind you of the words of the Apostle Peter in 2 Peter 3, 9, where he said the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to, say it at home, repentance. Now, we made the point last week that without repentance, without any type of visible transformation in our lives, that the manifested power of the Holy Spirit can bring and make those things possible That diminishes the Christian message to the level of any other system of belief. And that is our Bible becomes words on a page with unfulfilled promises and unsubstantiated claims. But when a Christian's life is changed, when their practices and beliefs and outlook change and their worldview as well changes, and that is proof that God has done something specific in our lives that is specific to the Christian faith. Now, that's why this doctrine today called antinomianism. And that big word just means no law. And there are people today who believe that since we are saved by grace, which is true, that there's no need for us to practice any moral set of beliefs and behaviors, which is not true. We are saved by grace, but grace saves us to live according to the will and word of God. Now, what that in essence does, antinomium, that is, uh, antinomianism, that is, basically offers to the world you can still... Live like you're going to hell, but expect to go to heaven. And we know that that's simply not true because Acts 1.8 says you shall receive the power or receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, I think the end of the earth isn't just a geographic location. I think the Lord is talking about time as well. We have the power to be witnesses for Jesus and that power is via the Holy Spirit. Now, Paul told Agrippa and Festus and Bernice, Festus' sister, or Agrippa's sister, rather, I used to hunt down Christians and arrest them, persecute them, imprison them, and I even approved of killing them. And then Paul said, then I met Jesus on the road to Damascus. And now what I used to be willing to kill for, I am now willing to die for. And today we're going to encounter the other side of sharing our faith, and that is the response. And we're going to hear and read about what happened when Paul gave his testimony before Herod Agrippa II and Festus, the Roman procurator or governor of that particular region. Now it's interesting in our scene, what we're going to find is that Festus gets so worked up at what Paul says, he suddenly yells at him, Paul, you're nuts, you've gone crazy. And this leads to our topic and title this morning, which I have borrowed from the great uh, Prince of Preachers, C.H. Spurgeon. And our title this morning is, Let the Lion Out of the Cage. Now, I've quoted Spurgeon many times where he said, we don't need to defend the Bible. It's just like a lion. You let it out of the cage. And that is still true today. Amen? Now, Acts 19.20 reminds us that early in church history that the word of the Lord grew mightily, And prevail. Now, we need to remember we cannot control the response or outcome of sharing our faith or giving our testimony, but we do know there is power in the name of Jesus, and Jesus is likened metaphorically to being the Word of God. After all, when Jesus told the parable of the soils, not all the seed fell on good ground. In other words, there was not always a positive response to the greatest message ever heard, and that is that Christ died for the sins of the whole world. And therefore, not every gospel sharing effort on our part is going to yield a new believer, but the seed still must be sown. We still need to stand fast and we still need to live up to our responsibilities to tell others about the good news of Jesus Christ. Now in Acts chapter 2, 40 to 46, we're told that Peter testified and exhorted them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. And perverse means to do the opposite of what uh, normally is or what is believed. And we have a lot of that going on today. And then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostle's doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayer. Then, Fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So this is a common practice within the church. This isn't an endorsement of communal living, by the way. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people And the Lord added to the church daily those who were what? Being saved. Now, listen, whether it's 3,000 or if it's three or if it's just sowing gospel seeds, it is the Lord who does the saving. It is the Lord who adds to his church daily those being saved. Now, Paul stands before some pretty powerful people And he does what we must do, no matter who we're standing before, and that is he lets the lion out of the cage and lets the word of God do what it alone can do. So you at home, read along with me, please, from Acts chapter 26, 24 through 32, and we'll take a look at these things in detail as we go. Acts 26, verse 24. Now, as he thus made his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul... You are beside yourself. Much learning is driving you mad. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak the words of truth and reason. For the king before whom I also uh, speak freely knows these things, and I am convinced that none of these things escapes his attention, since this thing was not done in a corner or in secret. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you do believe. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me today might become both uh, almost and altogether such as I am except for these chains. And when he had said these things, the king stood up as well as the governor and Bernice and those who sat with them. And when they had gone aside, they talked among themselves saying, this man is doing nothing deserving of death or chains Then Agrippa said to Festus, this man might have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. And Lord, we are thankful for your word. We thank you that every word on every page is divinely inspired by your spirit and therefore is truth. And Lord, I pray, just as Paul said, I would that should there be any online who are watching or joining us today who don't know you as Lord and Savior, that that would not be the case by the end of our time together. So we ask that you would add your blessing to the reading of the word and we ask that you would give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Now the first thing I'd like you to take note of comes from our opening three verses today where Paul, or Festus rather, responds to Paul's testimony with this emotional outburst that he says, Paul, all this knowledge, everything you've learned is making you crazy. Now he says you're gone mad in essence, and the word mad means to rave as a maniac. Now in 1 Corinthians 1, 18 and 19, we're reminded that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. And the Lord, Paul is pointing out that the Lord is simply saying his wisdom is far above any human Wisdom, and that's where you would say if you were here, Amen. Now, Festus was newly arrived from Rome, so many of the things that Paul shared were unknown to him. He may have heard bits and pieces, but he wasn't familiar with details, as is evidenced in his description of Jesus in Acts 25:19 as a, being a certain Jesus who had died, that Paul affirmed to be alive. Now, I want you to think about what Festus has been heard, uh, hearing from Paul, even though he wasn't familiar with the details and specifics of Christianity or Judaism. Now, what he had heard from Paul as he stood there in chains, is Paul said, I'm happy, I'm happy to respond to you. He had heard from Paul that God could raise the dead. He had heard from Paul that he had had an encounter in the group who was escorting him to Damascus with a great light. And then he said, I heard a voice that nobody else heard. And the one who was speaking to me told me that he was Jesus. And then Paul said, preaching Christ was the most important thing in his own life, even more important than his own life. And Festus couldn't take it anymore. And he blurted out loudly, all this stuff has made you crazy, Paul, and you're ranting like some kind of lunatic. And Paul responded and said, this isn't some crazy rant, most noble Festus. This is truth and it's reasonable. And he adds that these things didn't happen to him secretly. And King Agrippa is well aware of the things that he gave in his testimony of Jesus. Now we've heard this a lot lately and it needs to be repeated this morning, but for a specific reason as it relates to our text. 2 Timothy 1.7 says that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but a power, love, and many of you can finish it, a sound mind. Now, you have to wonder if this scene that we're reading about this morning wasn't in Paul's mind when he pinned those words to Timothy in the last of his letters that he would write. And the reason I say that is because the phrase sound mind and the word reason that he used in responding to Festus are the same Greek word and therefore they imply the same thing. Paul is saying, Listen, this is what a sound mind will come to conclude. And that's his response to Festus' accusation of madness. Now, I'm sure like many of you, I can't even count the times I've seen comments on social media about what a bunch of kooks we are as Christians to believe in some mythical God who cannot be seen. And this points back again to the importance of our own personal transformations and testimonies. There are people who think we're crazy. There are people who think we're raving maniacs for believing in a risen Savior and a God who can speak all things into existence. Now, this is what I find to be curious, is that people cannot believe in an invisible God or a God that cannot be seen in physical form in this life. But we are told through the Bible that Jesus has declared him to us, for he is the image of the invisible God the human likeness of the invisible God. And he, indeed, Colossians says in 115 to 17, did create all things, and all things were created by him and through him and for him. Now, people can't believe that there is an intelligent designer or one who can speak all things into existence. However, they can believe that billions of years ago, nothing existed, then nothing exploded, and through undirected natural causes, everything created itself. Now, that's a miracle by definition. Now, listen, in contrast, what we believe is the truth, and it is reasonable. And not only that, contrary to the argument of the atheists today, who often say the existence of God cannot be proven. Yes, it can. Now, we could argue it's provable because we know him, and we talk to him through prayer, and we would be accused of being a crazy person, much like that was said of our vice president, by those bastions of wisdom and the all-knowing ladies on The View, who said because Mike Pence uh, believes he hears from God through his word, that he indeed fits the definition of being crazy. Now we could go down that road and say, I know God personally, and I speak to him through prayer and he answers me through his word and by his spirit. Or we could go down this direction. In Psalm 19, one to four, we're told, the heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech. And night unto night reveals knowledge of the existence of God. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out throughout all the earth. And their words to the end of the world. The majesty of creation demands there be one who created all things. And put them in order. And their continued existence proves that there is a God in heaven. Now... I think we all recognize there are some things that happen by chance, but there is no chance that chance is responsible for the complexity of the human body or the vastness of the organized universe. And yet people think we're crazy for believing in, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now, with all that said, here's the first thing I want to recognize concerning this exchange and the accusation made against Paul, which is made against us today, is that we're a bunch of kooks who need that sort of thing to make their way through life. Now, here's the first thing to realize. Listen, truth is on our side and feelings don't change the facts. Truth is on our side and feelings don't change the fact. Now, Paul said, what I believe is not madness. It's truth and it's soundness, it's soundness of mind, or it's reasonable. And I think sometimes we expect truth to automatically prevail, or even to prevail at all times. Yet, we need to remember that Jesus healed the sick, Jesus gave sight to the blind, Jesus made the lame walk, Jesus walked on water, Jesus raised the dead, and where did he end up? Even though he proclaimed himself to be the way the truth and the life he wound up on a cross accused as being a blasphemer and being of the devil now this is why we just let the lion of the word of god out of the cage and let it do what it's going to do because some are going to receive it others are going to mock it some are going to reject it but still others are going to be saved and we need to remember as christians especially in a time such as this that if we don't preach the gospel, no one is going to be saved because Romans ten seventeen says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Remembering again, John 1, 1 says, Jesus is the word of God, used in a metaphoric sense. Now, some people are gonna think we're nuts. Some people already think we're nuts and other people are going to get saved. Some people are gonna yell, you're crazy. But their feelings don't change the facts that are presented in the word of God. God is the creator of all things. Jesus is the savior of the world. And no man comes to the father except through him. Paul didn't let Festus yelling out that he had gone mad phase him. Because Paul was actually the most sane person in the room. And he was the one who actually knew the truth. And the same is true for you and me. Now, as the exchange continues in verse 27 to 29, we're told, then Paul shifts the conversation and says, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? And then he says, I know you do. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me today might become both almost and altogether such as I am, except for these chains. Now, Turning from Festus, Paul asked Agrippa a question that put him on the spot. He says, Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? Knowing that he was well-versed in Judaism, he was pointing back to the prophets of the Old Testament. And then Paul lets him off the hook and says, I know you do. Now, we need to remember that the accusers of Paul were the Jews. And the answer Agrippa gave was going to determine how accepted his response or decision regarding Paul was going to be received. If he said he didn't believe the prophets, then he would put himself at odds with the Jews. If he said he did believe the prophets, then Paul would say, then why don't you believe in Jesus? Because Jesus is the one the prophets wrote about. And it's interesting that Agrippa dodges the question rather craftily. And he says, Paul, are you trying to make me a Christian in these few moments you have before me? And we know that that's the proper understanding because the word almost means a short while. It's actually the word that would be translated into English is puny, speaking of something in number or duration. And that's what Agrippa said back to Paul was simply this. You only have a few minutes to make your case before me, Paul, and yet you're spending your time trying to convert me to Christianity. Is that what you're trying to do? Paul says, yep. And I wish not only you, but everybody within earshot, would get saved and be as I am, transformed and empowered, but without these chains. Now, Paul let the lion out of the cage in two ways here. He was using his time to try and share his faith with King Agrippa, the king of Judea. And he also pointed out that his chains were unjust and he shouldn't be chained as he was. And it's rather interesting if we consider Paul's chains... We are told back in Acts chapter 20, 22 to 24, that he was aware that this was part of his future. And Paul would say, and see, now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem. That just means he knew that was his destiny at that time or destination at that time. And he didn't know what was going to happen to him there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city or Paul is aware of what awaits him saying, that chains and tribulations await me. And then he said this, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Now listen, in the times that we live today, we need to have singularity of purpose as the church and Christians. And like Paul, whether he stood before the Jewish council Whether he stood before a Roman procurator or governor, or even as he stood before the king of the local region, his goal was to testify of Jesus. Now, as is evidenced by this uh, empty room, we are bound to our homes in this current situation. And I was encouraged that the president said how much he and his administration needs and relies on the prayers of God's people and how he is counting on the church to set the standard for the rest of the nation through this time. Now, I found this to be encouraging for this reason. The president has an expectation of the church and from the church that is distinct from the balance of society in the sense of setting an example. And that's what we ought to do. He also expected the church to be praying, and that's what we should be doing. And Paul didn't let the chains of over two years of imprisonment move him off course. He stands before the king of Judea. He tells him of the saving power of Jesus Christ in the short time that he has to actually defend himself. But instead of defending himself, he proclaims Christ and him crucified. Now, this brings us to the next truth about the importance of letting the lion out of the cage or just speaking the word of God with boldness and confidence. And listen, this is very applicable to what we're going through right now. And it is our second of our three truths this morning. Listen, the purpose of the church doesn't change with circumstances. The purpose of the church doesn't change with circumstances. Now we are obviously meeting as the church is all around the world in unconventional ways through unconventional means. But listen, we are still the church. We are still God's people. We are still the family of God. And we are still the truth bearers that he has sent out into the world. And Jesus said in Matthew 5:14 to 16 in the Sermon on the Mount, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they, do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in, what's it say? The house, your house, where you are right now. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. Now, I want you to consider Paul's situation in light of what Jesus said. Paul was in a quarantine type situation, though it was for political reasons and not health reasons. He was in a minimized exposure to the masses Type situation, and yet he told everyone he stood before, everyone he stood beside, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that tells us that his circumstances didn't change or impact his commissioning. And even though his audience was limited to the area of those within the praetorium at Caesarea, he stayed the course. He let the lion of the Word of God out of the cage within the walls of the compound. Now, Be the light as you're sheltered in your house, as Jesus said. And then this time, we need our homes to be places of stability more than ever. Listen, we don't see Paul running around telling everybody in the praetorium, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. But rather, he was telling everyone that there is hope through Jesus Christ in even his circumstances. Now, in 2 Timothy 3, 8 to 13... Paul says to Timothy, remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David, meaning he was a descendant of King David, was raised from the dead according to my gospel, for which I suffered trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of change. But the word of God is not changed. The word of God is not changed, even though we can't meet collectively in a room. It's not changed, even though you are meeting at home and listening to the word of God. Therefore, Paul says, I endure all things for the sake of the elect that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This is a faithful saying, for if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. In other words, if you reject Christ, he will accept that decision. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself or who he is. Now, it's interesting because of the multitude of things I do online, how many times I have been scolded uh, for, quote-unquote, watering down the seriousness of this pandemic. And every time I have been scolded online it's because I have tried to be an encouragement to people and tried to put things in perspective and encourage people that we're going to get through this. And listen, I'll do it again. So go ahead and fire off your comments. We're going to get through this. We're going to make it through this. And I'm not going to hit the panic button, and I'm not going to encourage others to do so either. Yes, this is serious. Yes, we need to be praying for the people who are afflicted by it and impacted by it. But it's not going to kill us all, and it's not going to kill any of us who don't get it by being smart and sensible in our practices and listen to the counsel we're receiving. I'm not going to fall apart during this time. I want to continue to be a messenger of hope, and I hope you do too. I want to be an encouragement to those who are watching online and pointing out even things we have survived that were much worse in the past, reminding us that we're going to get through this. Somebody online say amen. Say it super loud so I can hear you. Now, the truth is, here's why I say what I just said. If we panic, if we lose hope, Where is anybody else going to find him? We're the purveyors of hope. We're the ones with the message of hope. We're the ones with the promises from God that he will get us through all things. We're the ones who have the word that we need to share with others, that all things work together for good those who love God who are the called according to His purpose. there are hard things in life that God can bring good through. There may not be anything good in them, the loss of a loved one or a child or tragic circumstances, but God can still bring something good out of them. And we need to remember that circumstances do not change our purpose of the church. And we may not be in the same room today, but we're still the church of Jesus Christ. We are still God's people. We are still commissioned by God to share the gospel, both through our words and through our actions. Listen, if you're on social media, post about Jesus. If you're on the phone, tell who you're talking to about Jesus. If it's another believer... Remind them that God is in control and we can trust in Jesus. After all, if we have trusted him with our eternity, we can certainly trust him with today. So let's be purveyors of hope and not proclaimers of doom. Paul was chained, yet he said, I'm happy. He was limited in audience, but he was faithful to the cause. And we can be too. Let's look at 30 through 32. Let me just say to all you online, I sure miss you guys. I wish you were in the room because I think we do church together pretty well. Verse 30 says, when he had said these things, the king stood up as well as the governor and Bernice and those who sat with them. And when they had gone aside, they talked among themselves saying, this man is doing nothing deserving of death and chains. Then Agrippa said to Festus, "This this man might have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. Now, At the hearing of Paul's wish that all would become as he was except for his chains, Herod Agrippa II, Festus, and Bernice rise and huddle together. And they conclude, not only has Paul not done anything worthy of death, he hasn't even done anything that justifies the chains that he now bore. And yet, Paul stands before them in chains. Agrippa tells Festus, we could have let this man go if he had not appealed the season. And there are some commentators who see this as Paul's greatest ministry failure in that he was trusting in the government and not trusting in God. Now I have to say, I have no clue where that particular interpretation was arrived at. And the statement is rather bizarre because of two things. One, after Paul's Damascus road encounter with Jesus, a man named Ananias was told to go and pray for Saul who then became Paul now Ananias was hesitant about this because he had heard things about Paul that he was persecuting the church and the Lord said to Ananias go for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles kings and the children of Israel and here Paul is in front of a king just as the Lord said would happen for him it's also bizarre to draw this conclusion in light of the fact that the Lord told Paul in Acts 23:11 that he was going to bear witness of Jesus in Rome, just as he did in Jerusalem. And then this particular interpretation gets even more ridiculous if we add Philippians 1:12 to 14, where Paul said, I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word of God without fear. So here's the question. Did Paul appeal to Caesar because he was trying to get away from the Jewish council and the constant plots to change his life? Or did Paul appeal to Caesar knowing that he was going to arrive in Rome where the Lord told him he was going? What's the answer? The answer is yes. Both of those things are true. He could have not appealed to Caesar, but he still would have wound up in Rome. So why not use this right of his citizenry, Roman citizenry, to his advantage and put some distance between himself and the continual efforts to plot his assassination? Now we know after Paul left Caesarea Maritima, the place on the Israeli coast today, uh, where there are the remains of Herod the Great's uh, uh, beach cottage, uh, so to speak. And on the way to Rome, Paul is shipwrecked. He's bitten by a deadly snake and shakes it off. And it takes him months to make the journey from Caesarea Maritima over to Rome. And then in Acts 28, 17 to 22, we're told this. And it came to pass after three days that Paul, this is upon his arrival in Rome, after three days that Paul called the leaders of the Jews together. So when they had come together, he said to them, Men and brethren, though I have done nothing against our people or the custom of our fathers, the Jews, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans, who, when they had examined me, wanted to let me go, because there was no cause for putting me to death. But when the Jews spoke against it, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar. So Paul was keeping himself alive uh, through practical means, even though he knew his destiny, according to Jesus, was to arrive in Rome. Not that I had anything of which to accuse my nation. For this reason, therefore, I have called for you, the Jews, uh, Jewish leaders in Rome, to see you and speak with you, because for the hope of Israel, I am bound with this chain. That's a reference to Jesus. Then they said to him... We neither receive letters from Judea concerning you, nor have any of the brethren who came reported or spoken any evil of you. But we desire to hear from you what you think for concerning this sect. We know, speaking of Christianity, we know that it is spoken against everywhere. Now the reply of the leaders of the Jews in Rome gives us our final point And reminder, when they say, we've not heard anything negative about you, Paul, but we have heard plenty of negative things about Christianity, which is the sect you belong to. Now, here's our final point for the day. Here's our exhortation for you this Sunday morning. Listen this morning. If you consider yourself a Christian, you may as well be an on-fire one. If you consider yourself a Christian, you may as well be an on-fire one. Listen, Christianity is an identity. It's not an activity. It's not about meeting in a row. It's about reaching the world. It's not about pews. It's not about pulpits. It's about Christ and Him crucified. And Jesus was considered countercultural and radical. And we're going to be thought of the same as well. So what do we do? We just let the lion out of the cage. We preach Jesus. We teach the Word of God. And we allow the Lord to do the adding to His church daily those being saved remember back in acts 18 9 to 10 the lord spoke to paul in the night by a vision and said do not be afraid but speak and do not keep silent for i am with you and no one will attack you to hurt you at least in that setting for i have many people in this city now we've been asked to shelter in place for the time being for the sake of the health of others now listen this is not an effort, at least on the part of the president, to silence the church. It's not an effort of the government to over, uh, to take over the church, so to speak. And the church isn't becoming a puppet of the government by meeting online. We're being considerate of others and hoping not to spread the COVID-19 virus, but we're still the church. We're still meeting today, even though Maybe some of you are in your PJs or in your gym clothes or something and meeting. We're still God's people. We're still God's church. We're still teaching the word of God. Listen, here's what I believe we need to do. When this passes, and it will, when this passes, the church needs to come out of our homes like letting a lion out of the cage. And remember, the gates of Hades are not going to prevail against the church. We are the light of the world at home and abroad. And our purpose doesn't change when seasons or circumstances do. And the truth is on our side and feelings and emotions don't change the facts. So listen, let's be what we're supposed to be in this world. Even when negative things are said about us, collectively agreed upon concerning us It is still exclusively only the message of the gospel of Christ that can save. So let's tell people about Jesus during this time. God has not given us the spirit of fear. We're told that perfect love, which God has, cast out all fear. And that doesn't mean we act foolishly. It means we listen to the things we're being counseled to do. We wash our hands regularly. We cough into our hand. That's just good manners, right? We, If we're sick, we stay home. If someone else is sick, we stay away from them. We listen to the things that we are being counseled to do by those in the medical community. And as we cover our mouth and wash our hands, we tell people about Jesus so that they too can have the hope of heaven. This too shall pass. There's no question about it. As we look to history, we've seen these things come and go. And tragically, there is a loss of life just as with other things that we have seen in the past. And we need to be the ministers of comfort. We need to be the purveyors of hope in this dark and perilous time and do so all the way through this crisis and beyond. And listen, just let the lion of the word of God out of the cage and the Holy Spirit will in many cases find receptive soil and hopefully we will see people be saved. So with that said, that's the end of our online service this morning save for our uh, closing song so you around uh, the world bow your heads with me and let's close our time with a word of prayer Father we are again grateful for your matchless word we are so thankful that there is truth for us to hang on to and cling to Lord that it isn't just black ink on white pages but rather Lord it is truth that makes free it is truth that brings hope It is truth that gives us a record of how things began. And it is truth that gives a record of how things will end. And, Lord, we know that in between the beginning and the end, you are faithful and remain unwilling that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. So, Lord, I pray that if there be some watching online, that they have that change of mind and heart and therefore actions, and that they would accept the fact of what the Bible has presented as truth, that Christ is the only savior of the world, the only means of salvation and come to that truth that he himself declared makes us free. So Lord, I pray that over those watching and listening online who need you, uh, those who are gripped by fear concerning this particular uh, component and element in time and Lord, that they would call out to the one who could save their soul and indeed, Lord, if you so choose, protect our lives. We know that good people die We know that good people contract the coronavirus and we know that good people die of cancer and have brain tumors and other horrific things. We know all those things, but Lord, through those things, you promise to never leave us nor forsake us and give us strength and be a present help in time of need. And we know that's exactly what you are right now. So Lord, would you bless us as we continue to shelter in place and use whatever communication opportunities we have even as Paul did in this short time and try and see that others come to the reasonable conclusion that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. We thank you for our time together. In Jesus' name, amen.